0: you're listening to the ticker podcast from ir magazine a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations direct from our central london studio here's your host Laurie havelock
1: this week on the ticker podcast the path is laid for a new australian stock exchange u.s companies field record climate change resolutions and a conversation with bank of america Merrill lynch's global head of corporate access Welcome back to Ticker Podcast, a weekly roundup for the top news and headlines from around the world of investor relations. We're back in the IR Magazine studios. It's Tim Human Condis de Montpetit. Hello morning. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Well, we're recording this podcast right at the beginning of the new UK tax year. Is there a sex year date in the calendar at all? Uh, which, interestingly enough, almost corresponds with the ticker's first birthday and impending 50th episode. More about that soon. Uh, but we've had some more news on the subject of tax this week with the release of the Panama Papers, one of the biggest leaks of data ever, which detailed the financial arrangements of thousands of the world's elite, particularly their efforts to evade tax through offshore shell companies. And it's been given you know, thousands of column inches so far, with world leaders, celebrities and businessmen implicated in the documents from the panamanian law firm mossack fonseca which specializes in helping foreigners protect their financial assets or avoid tax as it could be known i won't waste too much time going through the list but tim and condice i've got a quick game uh, which i've called hacks versus tax for you to play i'm going to give you two potential celebrities identified in panama papers and all you have to do is tell me who at the time of publication has reportedly used um, mossack fonseca's services and who hasn't are you ready Yep. Ready. All <laughs> <laughs> um, right, the first one you've got to choose, uh, it's either Seth Blatter, who's the former FIFA president, or Gianni Infantino, the new FIFA president.
2: It's
3: Gianni. Oh, yes, this one has been in the papers today. He's got his name on a couple of contracts with some uh, sports rights
1: uh, broadcasters. Yeah, not so good when you're trying to build yourself as a the new, the new acceptable face of FIFA after recent failures. All right, the next one you've got. Guillermo del Toro, who's the uh, Mexican horror film director, or Pedro Almodovar, the uh, Oscar-winning Spanish director.
2: Well, I'm sure it's Almodovar, who um, just cancelled the premiere of his uh, new movie, Julieta, apparently.
1: Oh, really? That's a shame. I've always been a bit of a fan of his as well, so... Yeah, Very disappointing. Um, okay, another, another football-y one. It's either, and again, this one might be obvious after headlines from last year. Is it Cristiano Ronaldo, Champions League winning footballer, or Lionel Messi, Champions League winning footballer?
3: I haven't actually read this one, but I would, no. I would go for leo messi because he has had a few tax issues in the past Mm. with the spanish authorities
1: he has i think neymar might be among those also named on the you know named in conjunction with this as well so not looking good for barcelona your final pair to choose from they are a pair of uh movie stars who were both in rush hour series of films it's either chris rock american actor or jackie chan the hong kong actor
2: jackie chan
1: Chan. well (laughs) done no flies on you too. You clearly know the news well. That's good to hear. Um, Condice, a further test is going to be for you. You're going be, you've got some news from the Antipodes to tell us about.
2: Yes, there are things happening down under. First of all, the Australian treasurer Scott Morrison announced the end of uh, ASX's monopoly in clearing, according to the FT. This follows a similar move in 2011, where new entrants were welcomed for share trading. So uh, now they have rival exchange Chai X that also operates in Japan competing with the ISX in Australia.
1: So this isn't going to happen overnight, though, is it? We're not going to suddenly see a new exchange appear? Uh,
2: Well, indeed, Morrison said it will take at least 18 months for any competitor in clearing to emerge and uh, their license to be approved. He also, um, in his speech, he also unveiled other reforms that would uh, take place. Uh, The ASX should be allowed to develop blockchains, so that's uh, basically a secure network of computers that continuously maintain records. Is that it? Yeah.
1: Sounds about right.
2: Uh, for the Australian share market, and um, also um, the the 15% limit of uh, foreign ownership of the exchange itself will be relaxed, which will allow ASX to participate in potential international mergers.
1: That's very interesting. And you've got some, some other news from rumblings in the Australian market as well. What else has been happening?
2: Yes, uh, mining giant BHP Billiton has hired a, a new London-based IRO. Uh, Robert Clifford, who is, uh, surprise, surprise, a former metals and mining analyst from Deutsche Bank, will be taking over from Jonathan Price, who is moving to Singapore and out of IR. He's actually going to be the CFO for uh, the company's marketing and supply business.
1: Oh, so someone else moving from IR into the C-suite. We'll have to get him on a cover soon, maybe.
2: <laughs> Why not?
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a quite a big IR team at BHP, right?
2: Well, yes. Um, the company's listed uh, on, on ASX, of course, uh, but also in London, New York, and uh, Johannesburg. So um, they have uh, regional IR heads in Melbourne and New York also. And the global head of IR is uh, Adrian Wood, also a former mining analyst, who joined the firm in February last year.
3: I spoke to uh, someone who's hoping to move into the IR profession yesterday, um, and they mentioned that they'd seen a bit of a trend of European firms hiring more um, IROs to work in London.
1: Oh, that's interesting to hear. Is that, so is that part of, is, I, I'm a bit unaware of this. Is this something that has been part of a trend of, of many, many companies opened the IR offices abroad?
2: Well, I know that a couple of years ago, um, there was a wave of um, Western companies sending out IROs to, to China. So, yeah, so maybe, maybe China's kind of uh, out of fashion now. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad place to get posted at all actually I wouldn't mind a, a gig in China but I couldn't sit here and list all the places I'd rather be rather than a, a, a drizzly Wednesday in London anyway uh, but I've been looking into some news this week that companies in the US are facing increased scrutiny from their investors over climate change related issues as shareholders recorded a record number of board proposals addressing the topic in 2016. Uh, it's part of, a, in part of a report called Proxy Preview 2016 which was co-authored by uh, shareholder advocacy group As You So, Investor Engagement and Proxy Impact and this is Sustainable Investments Institute, uh, it's found that US companies have faced 94 climate change resolutions this year compared with 82 in the same period in 2015. Uh, The uh, proxy preview 2016 also finds that fewer US companies have asked the SEC to omit shareholder proposals this year, just 71 compared with 113 at this point in 2013, and that the SEC has rejected 14 already in 2016. And though shareholder activists appear to have filed fewer resolutions this year overall, uh, 370 versus 433 in 2015 and 417 the year before, there have been an extra 72 sustainability resolutions from New York pension funds demanding proxy access to companies. So an awful lot of resolutions there.
2: And what were those uh, resolutions about
1: Oh, well, of the climate change ones, and those picked up in the report particularly, they found that 22 were asking energy firms about how climate change would affect their operations. So I guess because there have been a couple in the news recently who have you know underestimated the risk that climate change might pose to them. Another 18 are focused on risks associated with fracking for shale gas. It's a big topic in the UK particularly. And another 19 have asked companies to set greenhouse gas emission targets. There are also 11 um, proposals which were brought to just two companies, and all of them are pushing for the energy firms in question to change how they account for changes in their reserves. Um, and another that suggested executive bonuses should be linked to those accounting changes, so meeting those targets. Other topics attracting less consistent rational attention, but, you know, we've had resolutions nonetheless, include uh, how to do business in conflict zones, human rights violations, um, stance on the Israel and Palestine conflict, and democratizing the board nomination process.
2: Well, isn't this the, the big year for companies uh, setting climate change targets?
1: Well I, I think so, and that's also the opinion of um, Andrew Behar, who's the CEO of As You So, the, the group who authored this this report. And he says that it's a year in a year holding both the US presidential election and there's obviously the UN climate change conference in Paris later in the year. Uh, The, quote, growing integration of issues uh, for shareholder advocacy is growing rapidly, he says. Uh, Quote, we see political spending intertwined with climate change and sustainability directly linked to CEO pay. Investors want companies to take a broad, systemic look at their policies and how they affect responsible action in the broader economy. Um, And as you saw itself, they recorded a couple of victories in this area itself. Um, A few weeks ago, an effort led by the group was successful in preventing ExxonMobil from suppressing a shareholder resolution that had asked the oil giant to improve its reporting. Exxon was asked to report on... On its energy resources in an energy neutral metric, uh, in addition to the traditional barrels of oil equivalent standard, so things already seem to be happening in that area.
3: One one interesting thing we've seen recently is um, energy firms bumping up the number of sort of ESG specialists they have in their IR teams as a result of you know all of this interest in climate change and what impact it could have on assets and valuations and so on. So for example, uh, Royal Dutch Shell now has two ESG specialists in its IR team. It has a large IR team, but it's still like a quite a significant number of people focused on that
1: one area. Do you think that's something led by the buy and sell side? Do you remember we had a, um, our European think tank last year, you know, the ESG specialist from Aviva talking? And, and about maybe it, it seems that if your um, investor or your analyst has an ESG specialist, maybe you need someone who can speak their language to talk back to them.
3: Mm, yes, that's quite possibly true. And um, Certainly companies are getting a lot more questions about this and more and more investors are focusing on it. So it makes sense for IR teams to
1: specialize in this area, particularly if they are energy companies. And speaking of our think tanks, um, which are usually led by the irrepressible IR Magazine editorial director, Neil Stewart. And Tim, you've been looking at um, some more tidbits that Neil has has gained for IR Magazine uh, in the realm of corporate access. Is that
3: right? Yes. As you mentioned, IR Magazine's editorial director, Neil Stewart, um, recently spoke with Liz Everett, Bank of America Merrill Lynch's global head of corporate access. Uh, They were talking about trends in sell-side research, roadshows, and investor conferences. And this was part of our video series, On Message with Neil Stewart, which you can find on our website. Um, We've got a few um, sections of the interview that we're going to play for you. One of the trends Liz is seeing, which she talks about, is investor conferences with a tighter focus – She says companies still get a lot of value out of broader sector conferences, but they're also finding it very useful to go to smaller conferences with perhaps just a handful of companies in attendance.
0: I think we're actually seeing more of a barbell approach. There's definitely still value in the large, broad sector conferences. And one of the reasons for that is as the corporates have more and more demands on their time, they need to be efficient with that scarce resource of time in terms of allocating it. So there's there's an advantage to participating in these large, broad sector conferences where they can meet a lot of investors in one place. But on the other hand, we're seeing over the last year or two, we've seen very positive reaction both from investors and from corporates from smaller, more intimate gatherings that are focused on either themes or really tight sector, um, trend conferences with maybe only a handful of corporates and only a handful of investors. And one of the reasons I think people really value that is because it allows for tighter connections, tighter relationships. It gets back to what I was talking about earlier in terms of the investor clients are a lot more educated. They don't just need the basic. They want to dig in.
3: We also spoke with Liz about that perennial IR question, uh, how to decide which brokers to work with. Uh, especially thinking about this in terms of different types of companies for example large companies with lots of analysts or maybe smaller companies without so much choice
2: did she say well of course with bank of america merrill lynch
3: yes she did she did raise the point herself that she was a broker talking about uh, which brokers companies should work with so potentially a bit of an An awkward uh, question that she has to answer. But she just talked about some of the general ways that companies might want to make these decisions without going into specifics about which firm to use. Uh, For example, she said that the number one way that companies still make decisions about which broker to use uh, is um, who covers them in terms of their analyst coverage. So when companies are thinking about who to work with and who not to work with, if there isn't an analyst covering you, then that's how you make the first cut, as she put it.
0: Well, there's a lot of nuance here, depending on the type of corporate, right? So a large cap versus a small cap or whatnot. But I think the number one driver is analyst coverage. So for the most part, again, if this is if corporate access is increasingly important, there's more asks to the corporates. One of the ways that they're going to trim their list and make their decision is who has, who's covering their company. Um, it's not an exclusive factor, and we'll see actually in in the survey that you guys are public, just published. It does mention that you see more small caps willing to participate and work with a broker who doesn't cover them. But in general, I think that's one of the first ways that corporates will cut their list. And then I think what, what they try and do is be thoughtful about allocating, again, their scarce resource of their time with Those brokers, in general, we're seeing them do at least one touch point with each covering broker per year, whether that's a conference, an NDR, whatever it might be.
3: Finally, we looked ahead and talked to Liz about trends in corporate access practices and how technology is being used to bring companies and investors together. Uh, Liz mentioned a growing use of video conferencing, particularly to reach investors beyond uh, major investment centers. Interestingly, she also noted that investors are showing a greater interest in broader thematic research and discussed how companies can open up new investment opportunities if they can show how they fit into these themes.
0: We are increasingly using technology. I wouldn't say that it's new technologies, but video conferencing is certainly something that we're seeing telepresence more and more, um, especially as we look at connecting investors who are maybe in not the metropolis areas of of the country or the world. It's an effective way to connect that. The other thing that I think we're seeing a lot more of is the focus on thematic investing and thematic research. Um, If you listen to Michael Hartnett, our chief investment strategist, he'll talk about the, not only the, the trend of thematic research, but the fact that thematic investing is actually outperforming the market. So that's why investors are paying attention to mm-hmm. that. And what we're seeing is we're tying that into our corporate access event. So at our large sector conferences, we'll have thematic panels that talk about some of these, these, these thematic. And um, sometimes invest-
3: people from elsewhere in the ecosystem. And, and that's be, yeah, exact. So, yeah.
0: so we know why investors care, but why do companies care? Yeah. Companies care because if they can get associated with a theme, that's going to broaden the number of investors or the portfolio managers Mm -hmm. who might not have been thinking about them
1: yes as Tim has just mentioned those thoughts are available in complete form uh, in our videos on Message with Neil Stewart you can find them on our homepage which is iomagazine.com right now or also our YouTube channel which is youtube.com forward slash Investor Relations Mag and of course if you want to hear more from some of the IR world's um, leading thinkers then the next opportunity will be the IR magazine think tank Euro Leaders which is going to take place on June 22nd 2016 in London the same day of course as our awards 2016 for Europe Um, it's an invitation only event that enables senior IROs to discuss, debate, and dissect topical issues affecting European IR. You can find out some more information on our events website, irmagazine.com forward slash events. And that's just about all we have time for. Thank you, Tim and Condice, for joining us again this week. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. And we'll be back next time in the same place. Goodbye.
0: Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Bye. -bye. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.